You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. The 11s remember that mailbox. It was down there at the shopping center, and I'm going down there with like 30 of these envelopes to put to put into the mailbox to see if people want to help start this church. And I go there, and the mailbox has been moved. It's gone. I'm sitting there with all these envelopes like, what are you saying to me, God? And then my theology kicked in. I'm like, no, 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 no. We determine the will of God by the Word of God, not by these signs. So I hunted around for it and put them in there. You don't go by like, well, God, you made it hard for me, therefore it's not your will. No, 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 that's not the way to think. Have you ever looked at the weather forecast and made plans based on the weather, only to have it change dramatically? Head to the beach, only to have a freak snowstorm whip in from the north. Well, Pastor Tom says that life can be like that, because God's sovereign plan for us can be invisible to us. But God isn't out there trying to pull a fast one on us at every turn, and we can't let circumstances dictate our interpretation of His will either. So, how do we plan our days? Good question. Now here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Pride of Presumptuous Planning. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be an antichrist. There's going to be a seven-year tribulation. There's going to be a coming kingdom. And this is going to happen. And this war is going to happen. Then that's going to happen. So we get a little sneak peek into the sovereign and secret will of God. That's the only exception. That's the only exception. This passage in James, and there are other passages, these other passages that we read as well, conclusively show us that God's sovereign will for our lives is secret. We can't know what's going to happen with the future of the nation. We can guess. We can't know what's going to happen with the future of the world. We can guess, but we can't know. I can try to figure out what's going to happen in my life next week or next month, or I can, you can come to me and I can say, I think this is what's going to happen, but they're all really guesses, right? You don't really know. It's a secret will. It's unknown, and let me add this, it's unknowable. That's the part people don't like. It's not only unknown, it's unknowable. God doesn't want us to know it. By the way, you remember King Saul? He wanted to know what was going to happen in battle, and there was no prophet in Israel, so he decided to go to the witch and have the witch use her supernatural abilities to tell what's going to happen in the future. And God kind of pushes aside the power of the witch, and there all of a sudden is Samuel pronouncing judgment on him, and he dies in battle the next day along with his son. You don't want to know the future. And you don't want to go to demonic sources to try to divine the future. Just leave it in the sovereign, secret plan of God. That's the point. We may wish that God would tell us, just tell me, what are you doing, God, in my life? I don't really know. Where are you taking me? What's going to happen? Who am I going to meet? Who's going to influence my life? What kind of place am I going to live in? How much money am I going to make? Am I ever going to have a hot tub in my backyard? All those important questions in life. You may wish that you knew those things, and guess what? God is not going to tell you. There are all kinds of churches out there that come up with these crazy ideas of how you can know the future. Please don't listen to them. You cannot know the future. God doesn't want you to know the future. He doesn't want me to know. Believe me, I want to know. I'm like all the time, what are you doing? And you know what the answer is? I'm doing what I'm doing. Trust me. Okay. Gary Friesen in his book, Decision-Making and Will of God, written a while ago, he wrote some words. It's kind of an extended quote, but it's really helpful. The ultimate proof of the certainty of God's sovereign will was presented at Calvary. Far from frustrating God's plan, the most wicked act ever committed the willful murder of God's Son and Israel's Messiah, actually accomplished the central requirement in God's glorious plan of redemption. Contrary to misled opinion, the crucifixion did not force God into a plan B. A Savior was foreknown before the foundation of the world. He goes on, we know that God's plan is perfect because God is perfect. 
Our knowledge of that fact is grounded in faith, not sight. According to the human eye, the world often seems chaotic, controlled by the sovereign rule of Satan. The person who walks by sight will not be equipped to face and cope with tragedy when it comes to him. Such a person sees external circumstances from the same perspective as an unbeliever and is more inclined to curse his bad luck or become bitter toward God for his failure to intervene than to glorify God even in adversity. But the Christian who has a mature understanding and trust in God's sovereign plan is spiritually prepared for anything, he writes. He may not understand why he had to endure some difficulty, but he will know that his experience is part of the sovereign plan of an all-wise and loving God. In tragedy, one can never unscrew the unscrutable and explain why something happened. All our why questions must ultimately have the same answer. Our loving God in His sovereign wisdom willed it so. His plan is perfect. That is all we know, but that is enough. That's what he writes. The sovereign will of God needs to be contrasted with the moral will of God. The moral will of God is also called the revealed will of God, or sometimes people call it the commanded will of God. It is what God revealed and commanded us to do that has to do with our obligations, morals, ethics, to live before man and before God. That's revealed and that's told us. That's the moral will of God. Listen to this because this will help you a lot in understanding the will of God. Then the sovereign will of God is different. It's still the will of God, but it's secret. It's not revealed. We can't know it until it's unfolded, as we said. I'm going to give you some verses, and this is a little quiz. You won't have to raise your hand or anything. Just think. I'm going to read a verse, and it's going to talk about the will of God. You tell me, quiz time, you tell me, or at least tell yourself, is this the moral revealed will of God, or is this the sovereign and secret will of God? Listen, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. What is that? That's the moral and revealed and commanded will of God, that we not give in to sexual temptation that we keep ourselves pure, right? He's commanded us to live that way. Mark 3.35, whoever does the will of God, Jesus said, he is my brother and sister and mother. Again, that's the moral will of God, right? That's the revealed will of God, doing the will of God. Romans 1.10, Paul wrote, always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. He didn't know. He was hoping. So it is what? The sovereign and the secret will of God. By the way, Paul did not know the future. He was a pretty spiritual guy. Would you agree? He had a lot of spiritual giftedness. And he did not know the future. I'll come back to that thought. You hang on to that because that's pretty important. 1 John 2, 17. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever, lives forever. What's that? That's the moral. Oh, you were a little hesitant on that. That's the moral will of God. That's the revealed will of God. Romans 15, 32. So that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. That's future plans. That's travel plans. He's subjected it to the will of God. That's the sovereign and secret will of God. He's hoping that that's the case. He's praying that's the case. He does not know. Ephesians 5, 17. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What's that? 
That has to be the revealed will of God because you can't understand what the secret will of God is. You need to understand the moral will of God, the commanded will of God, so you can do it. So you can practice that. Just type in in your software, will of God, and try to quiz yourself on that, okay? Now, some people are trying to figure out the sovereign will of God for their lives. You might be there. I want to know the will of God. What's the will of God? I want to know the will of God. It's because I want to keep the will of God so much. Yeah, well, why aren't you keeping the commanded will of God? You want to know the secret will of God because you're just going to keep it, right? Because you're going to love that will. No, you're not. You're going to hate it. I mean, when I was younger, I said after I was saved, I said, there's no way I'm going to be a pastor. I didn't like the idea of being a pastor. I didn't like the idea of talking in front of people. There's no way I was going to do it. God had something else written on his planner. Who won? <laughs> well, I was trying to figure out, you know, the, 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 the hidden secret will of God. Who should I marry? Who should I marry? Just let a glow come across this girl. <laughs> Give me a sign, God, who I should marry. What job should I choose? Let it just fall into my lap. You don't want to read signs like that. That's wrong. By the way, when we were going to start this church, I remember going to the mailbox. This is a mailbox that's in concrete, by the way. You know the metal kind that's in concrete that never moves, that stays there like 30 years? So I'm going down to the mailbox, which was there the day before because I know, because it was in our neighborhood, the Levens remembered a mailbox. It was down there at the shopping center, and I'm going down there with like 30 of these envelopes to put, to put into the mailbox to see if people want to help start this church. And I go there, and the mailbox has been moved. It's gone. <laughs> I'm sitting there with all these envelopes like, what are you saying to me, God? And then my theology kicked in. I'm like, no, 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 no. We determine the will of God by the Word of God, not by these signs. So I hunted around for it and I put them in there. You don't go by like, well, God, you made it hard for me, therefore it's not your will. No, 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 that's not the way to think. How many children should I have? You know, when, when uh, I was about to marry Sue, I said, what are we going to do, Sue? I don't like kids. And she said, well, I do. I said, well, I don't. And, she, and, and then I, I worked at New Life Bible Camp for a summer, and I, I came home from that. I said, Sue, I love kids. Let's have seven. <laughs> and she said, three. And I said, I said, seven. And she said, no, three. And I said, all right, how about five? And she said, okay. And God gave us four because he's sovereign, and he had a plan for each one of their lives. You get it? We should not try to read events like we're reading tea leaves, like they're signs, you know. Let's see, I prayed today, God, that you'd show me where I'd get my next job, and then poof, this email came up, and that must be your will. Some of you think that way. Please do not think that way. That is not how God's will is determined. All it means is here's an opportunity, evaluate it. Check your motives. What is the wisdom behind it? It may be a test for you to work through it and find out that's not going to be a good job for me. And it may be the right one, but you won't decide it because it poofed up on your computer. Rather, it will be because of the wisdom from Scripture and your motives that come behind that. That's how God guides you, the Spirit guides you. God doesn't use providential signs to talk to us. God talks to us through Scripture, which the Holy Spirit brings into our life and our heart and makes it clear to us. Or someone might say, I was praying about which class to take in school, you know, and I felt a lot of peace about not taking this class and dropping this class. I felt a lot of peace about it. Well, you might have felt a lot of peace about it because you're lazy. <laughs> you might have felt a lot of peace about it because you want to get out of the hard work. And your mama told you, tried to tell you about that. You can feel a lot of peace for a lot of reasons. It could be the peace of ignorance. There is that. Only wisdom from the Word of God is how these kinds of decisions should be made while checking your motives. 
We should not try to divine the will of God by our feelings and saying, well, that's the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, what is the leading? The Holy Spirit led me to do blank. Romans chapter 8 talks about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Go study that this week. Look at the context. It's always about leading us in a general way into more and more Christ-likeness. The Holy Spirit is leading all of us in this sense that He's leading us to know Christ better and make us more and more like Christ to let go of our old person and become more and more like Jesus. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. He grabs us by the hand and he pulls us along. Where is he pulling us along to? To act like Jesus. That's it. It's not about this is where I'm going to get my job. Holy Spirit, lead me. This is the person I'm supposed to talk to today. That's not it. You don't believe me, go study the contact. It's interesting to me, coming back to that thought we had earlier, that the most spiritual people in the Bible... I mean, the ones that have, like, the Spirit. Of course, we have the Spirit, but, I mean, they're full of the Spirit. James, the man dedicated to prayer. We're reading his book right now. Paul, that both of them said, we cannot know the future. You know, if anyone got little voices from the Holy Spirit telling them, oh, by the way, tomorrow you're going to do this, and the next day you're going to do that. If anyone got messages like that, it would have been the apostles. Wouldn't you agree? And they're constantly saying, if the Lord wills. Paul says, I'm going on this missionary journey, and I'd like to get here if the Lord wills. What? You mean, Paul, you don't have a straight line to God and his throne? I mean, he's not talking to you about this every single day? You're brushing your teeth, and he just says, okay, today you're going to do this? No. So when you go to churches and they say, well, our church, we believe in the voice of the Holy Spirit, that voice of the Holy Spirit they have is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Better get used to listening to it. It's a pretty good voice. It's a pretty good voice. Mark it down. If someone is claiming to know the will of God in detail about their lives, they are deceived and they are presumptuous. Ouch. Someone claims to have knowledge of what exactly God is going to do. They may guess it right once in a while, but they do not have a private line into the throne room of God. And God does not check his plans with us on earth before he enacts them. More spiritual Christians do not know anything more about the future of their lives than you do. Oh, if I get to be spiritual. Oh, if my prayer life increases. I'll know. No, you won't. What you'll know is you'll know how to deal with all the things that change that you wish never happened. Oh, man, I wish this wouldn't happen. Oh, I I wish I wouldn't get pancreatic cancer. Last year I said, you're going to get pancreatic cancer. No, thanks. (laughs) No, thanks. Give it to somebody else. I'm not ready. He doesn't ask. You just learn to deal with it, and you learn that God brings good through it. Some of you want to take a peek into God's planner. Let me just help you out with this. It's going to save you a lot of frustration. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to get to look at God's planner. Do you know even the Lord Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. What's he doing praying an unspiritual prayer like that? Because it's, it's a very spiritual prayer. It's about submission. God doesn't want us living by sight. You ever been witnessing to someone and they won't become a Christian and you're just like, if I could just show them God and I could show them a miracle, man. Man, God, why don't you just do something? Zap them, lightning bolt, something. <laughs> show them right here now. I know it's true. How blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. 
That's how God wants us. He wants us living by faith. Why? Because faith pleases God. Because faith means we trust God enough with what we can't see that He can lead us. By the way, dads, moms, does it, does it thrill you when your children trust you? Yeah. It's like when the kid doesn't know anything and he trusts you. I'm sure you'll work it out for me. You're like, wow. Of course, some of your moms faint. You've got to be picked back up again. Yeah, it's true. The kid's actually going to trust you. That feels good. Why does it feel good? Because you know the kid knows that you know what you're doing and you love and, and he lo- you love him or her. That's how God is. Trust me. I've been taking care of the universe a very long time. I kind of know what I'm doing, as he says. Wow, boy. It sort of goes along with uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he, and he, and he, he does it. Well, if God is sovereign and we're supposed to trust in him because we can't know his will, what is the point in planning? That's a good question. Because God wants you to plan the things that you're going to do that express your love for Him and your love for others. And you plan it out. You say, this is what I'm going to do, Lord. This is what I want to do for you. This is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I'm going to use my money. This is my budget. This is how I'm going to use my time. Here's my calendar. And I'd like to do this and I'd like to do that. You may have other plans though, right? Lord, here's what I'm thinking. My heart is in this. If you would establish it, establish it. If not, show me as it unveils what I'm supposed to do. Make it kind of clear as I'm walking forward. Oh, so this is the person I'm supposed to minister to today, and this is the person I'm supposed to minister to tomorrow, etc. Remember a story of a guy who came into Dr. MacArthur's office, and he, he told the story in the context of learning the will of God. He said this, this young man came into his office and said he wanted to be a missionary in France. And so Dr. MacArthur went through, I think he has this in his book called Found God's Will, by the way, great little book, Found God's Will. And I think he wrote this in there and he said, this guy came into the office and he asked him all the questions. He said, well, are you saved? Are you sure you have faith in Christ? Check. Are you serving God right now in your heart? Yes. Are you being sacrificial? Are you submitted to the will of God? He went through all these S words. He probably picked up on that. And then the guy said yes to all of that and he asked the right questions and he said, well, then get busy. Go ahead and... uh, Get going and uh, make your plans and become a missionary uh, and serve the Lord in France. And so the guy went out and the guy took Dr. MacArthur's advice and he went and he, um, he now is serving the Lord in uh, Quebec, Canada. <laughs> French speaking. He just knew what was in his heart and what he wanted to do for the Lord. The, the details of that, the planning is, is God steering the bicycle as you're pedaling. Can't go anywhere, they say, if you don't pedal the bike, Right? Sitting by the side, your foot's on the ground. Dear God, what do you want me to do? Well, start pedaling. Do something. Get doing the will of God, and I'll, I'll steer you. Can't go anywhere and just sitting there. It's exciting, really, if you think about it. You just start pedaling. You start walking, and God steers you. It's exciting. It's an adventure. It's a walk of faith. It's an adventure. It's meant to be. It's how it's supposed to be. Do you remember Isaiah 55, 8? My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. So remember, James only condemns arrogant planning, which pushes God out of the picture and acts like life runs on its own, or luck leads life. We are in control of all things. 
That is the mirage of the unbeliever. We hear it every day on the news. They never bring God anywhere into the picture. The unbeliever lives in a pretend world, and they hate it when we bring reality into it. There is a God. You better be prepared for Him. They hate that. We can see reality. They can't. They live in a bubble. You can ask to be able to do something, but it always has to end with those words, if the Lord wills. By the way, that's why we call Him Lord. So the next time you open your planner on week mode, month mode, or yearly calendar, just remember, you're not allowed to look over the Lord's shoulder to see His planner, but He is allowed to look over your shoulder and see your planner. It may be helpful in your planner to write Ephesians 1.11, God works all things after the counsel of His will, not mine. Mark that verse down. There is nothing that happens by accident. God is working all our lives out according to His predetermined plan. So, that's it for that point. James has described their plan. He's revealed its presumption. He's given them the proper attitude. Now, he's going to hit the nail on the head and pinpoint the heart of the issue. Fourth, this is the fourth stage, and that is pride rebuked in verse 16. Look at it, verse 16. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. This is a far-sweeping verse. James brings these men back to their present situation and reprimands them because the right attitude he wants them to have is not present in them yet. As it is, he says, as you've been doing, as it's been in your head, you're boasting in your arrogance. Their confident assertions about what would happen in their life apart from God That qualifies as a boast. We have boasts. I am the master of my own destiny. You see people say that, right? Like, really? I make my own luck. Take control of your life. There's whole websites on that. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. In the cancer community, they have, I'm going to beat this disease. These are all boasts of things you can do nothing about. Frankly, kind of looks silly making those statements when you realize who's in charge. It's like Proverbs 27, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. James does not let his rebuke of pride rest there. He goes on and says, all such boasting is arrogance, is sin, is evil. All boasting like this is evil. It's not just these merchants, these businessmen that were being presumptuous. Every other presumption by non-businessmen is also evil. Businessmen get picked on. They have that you-can-do-it kind of uh, mentality. All these books about, yes, you can do it. They're presumptive. They're presumptuous. But we are too. They don't have a monopoly on it. We all can be presumptuous in the way we find. Do you have travel plans? Just get in your car. Do you just just get in the train, the plane? And after you're gone, you might, oh, we should have prayed. Accidents happen. Don't be presumptuous. Another subtle boast 
is when young people are like, you know what I'm going to major in? And when I graduate, I'm going to have this career. Hmm. Okay. That's a boast. You don't know that your future may change you. God can change you. God can change your desires. He can change your family. He can change your health. He can change the economy. He can change the nation. In what ways have you been presumptuous in planning in the past? What about now? Is there something in your planner that needs to be submitted to God? It's a good reminder to all of us that we can get off track so easily when we look at our lives with a temporal mindset. We forget that God is in control, and that is a blessed freedom to leave that responsibility in His hands. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leake, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit hopebible.org. Now, Here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Next time on Discover Hope, Pastor Tom will point out the inherent sin found in presumptuous planning. Even with the greatest of intentions, if we fail to acknowledge God in His rightful sovereign position, the way we plan might actually be an act of sin. Thankfully, God is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess to Him and He is so good to give us that little poke when we are missing the mark. To listen to today's message in the book of James, visit HopeBibleChurch.org and look under the Sermons tab. Pastor Tom will return soon with another in-depth study of God's Word. So join us again right here on Discover Hope.